change the way that we live. He taught that the purpose of Proverbs is to instruct God's people in how to live wisely and righteously in all aspects of our life in light of God's truth. And he also made the statement that to cultivate a fear and reverence for God, which is the beginning of wisdom, we are to con consistently mull over and think on the truth that God sent his Son to die on our behalf so that we might be brought into his kingdom. This morning I have the privilege to talk to you about a concept that I like to call the spiritual amnesia, specifically the cost of spiritual amnesia. Now I realize that to most of you, if not all of you, this phrase is complete nonsense. Uh, complete uh, doesn't mean anything to you, uh, but I assure you I have a method to my madness. Uh, so when I talk about amnesia, I'm referring to the inability for us to recall information that we have learned and stored in our memory. So when I talk about spiritual amnesia, I'm talking about our inability to recall what we have learned and experienced about God. Uh, if you need a Bible this morning, I want you to please raise your hand high. Uh, Usher will be more than happy to come and get you one. Or if you have a smartphone, you can pull up your favorite app uh, or Google it. It'll come up. We're uh, going to be going through Proverbs 3 this morning, uh, which is on page 450 of the Bibles. Uh, one thing I'd like to mention is that as we go through the passages this morning, I don't simply want you to just take my word for what they say. I want you to take each scripture that we're going through, read them, and study them for yourselves. So Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2 start out, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So here we see the father urging his son not to forget his teaching. And as a people, we are terrible at forgetting. I am definitely far from perfect. I am often ignorant, stubborn. I can say trifle things. I am unreasonable. Ask my wife. But what I am most often is I am forgetful. I forget simple things. I forget where I place my wallet. I forget where I place my keys. I forget where I place my files on my computer, if they're on my work computer, home computer, Dropbox, Google Drive. I'm terrible at remembering people's names. It's really embarrassing because sometimes I forget people's names whom I've known for quite a while. But the worst case of forgetfulness for me is that I tend to forget about God, and I tend to forget about what I've learned about him. I forget about his teachings. I can be at work, it can be a long, frustrating, tiring day. I can come home, I can be stressed, tired, worn out. All I want to do is just sit and relax. But my wife will ask me to take out the garbage or unload the dishwasher, and I'll respond very harshly to her in an unloving way. And I forget what Paul taught us in Colossians 3.19 where he calls us husbands to love our wives and not be harsh with them. And because I forgot that, my relationship with my wife is strained for a time until we reconcile. In addition, I forget that God is in control, not me. As Dave Goffney taught us a couple weeks ago, I forget that the Bible is all about Jesus, not about me. Anywhere in the Bible, it is pointing to Jesus. It is showing that I, from birth, am separated from God from having a personal loving relationship with him because of sin. 
is showing that God's plan was to send his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect, sinless life and to die the death that I deserve so that I, by faith in Christ, might be reconciled back to God to experience a personal, loving relationship with my Creator. Even though this is amazing, I tend to forget about it. I forget that the Bible isn't my story. It's not about what the Bible can give me. It's about Jesus. Finally, I forget forget how God has worked in my life. I can get so focused on the place where I'm at right now that I can't see two inches in front of my face. I forget about who I was before I met Jesus. I forget about the fruit that I have seen in my life since I put my faith in Jesus. I forget how God has worked in my life during the really hard times. And when I'm in those really dark places, I forget how he worked in the really good times as well. This idea of forgetting about what God has done is not something that's new. The Bible talks a lot about forgetting and remembering. He uses these two terms over 300 times throughout the Bible. And one theme that is common throughout the, uh, all these passages, especially in the book of Proverbs, is the recalling of God's faithfulness and our subsequent rejection of him. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that the book of Psalms is directly in front of a book on Proverbs telling us how to live a wise life, to build fear of the Lord, and to be enveloped by his teachings. In Hebrew, the word forget means ceasing to care. So when we forget, we stop caring about keeping God's commandments. We don't take the time to learn about him and his teachings, and we become lazy in our faith. Instead of actively pursuing God, we take the passive approach. And we think that we will magically become more like Christ, even though we are not actively pursuing him and taking steps toward him. There are many examples in the book of Proverbs of what happens when we forget about God. We're just going to talk about one this morning. It's actually from our passage this morning. Proverbs 3.2 says that if we forget, then our lives will not be filled with peace. But our culture uses this term, peace, very flippantly, much, much differently than how it was used throughout the Bible. And at times, just saying, peace be with you, or or I hope that your life is filled with peace, can be trite, can be meaningless, especially if neither the speaker or the hearer know what that word even means. Peace is translated in Hebrew as shalom. And shalom was used as a way to describe one's current well-being. It was typically used to designate the state of prosperity or good health. So in Proverbs 2, 3-2 says that by remembering God's teachings, we will experience peace. It means that our well-being will be greater than any time before. Much in the same way, in contrast, when we forget or cease to care about God's teachings, our lives will be void of that peace. When we cease to care and are no longer pursuing God, something else is bound to take God's place. Idols will start to form. 
And they'll start to rule our lives instead of God and his word. When we are no longer taking steps toward God, we become idol worshipers and put other things above him. We're saying that, God, you're not that important to me. Since I feel really lonely right now, I'm going to pursue my social life instead of my spiritual life because you're not giving me what I need right now. Or if I'm on the way home from school and I'm on the bus, I could either look at my smartphone or I could read God's word, but instead I'll just scroll through my smartphone. I'm choosing to go my own way instead of pursuing God and focusing on him. When we forget about God's teaching, our relationship with it is strained. Much like when I forgot about Colossians 3.19 and my relationship with my wife is strained until we reconcile. Or if I'm at work and I miss a deadline, my client, my relationship is strained until I reconcile. Or if I forget about the deadline at school. The point is that when we realize that we have sinned against God, we need to come to him. We need to repent of that sin and turn away. We need to reconcile with God. The stories of God's faithfulness flood the Bible, as do stories of man turning away from God. We're going to go through two passages, Psalm 78 and Judges 2. Uh, Psalm 78, it, it would take about 10 to 15 minutes to read, so I'm not going to do that. Um, but I highly encourage you to go through it yourself. Uh, Psalm 78 starts out much like Proverbs 3, saying, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from a mold, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. So the author of the psalm is telling us of the importance of passing on stories of God's faithfulness to the coming generation. Unfortunately, though, as you continue to read Psalm 78, you'll see that ultimately that generation turned away from God. And you also read of the consequences of what happened when they did that. And while Psalm 78 is about a generation forgetting God, another passage, Judges 2, tells of a generation that did not even know God in the first place. Starting out in verse 10, it says, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done in Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the balls, or the idols. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them, and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the balls and the Ashtaroth. Their hearts were not steadfast toward God, and they were not pursuing him. They were not faithful. They continually forgot what God had done for them, despite his continual faithfulness. And their hearts' affections were turned elsewhere. This, this is a picture of spiritual amnesia. What does this mean for us? As Proverbs 3 says, uh, But let your heart keep my commandments. We see a connection being made between our heart 
and remembering God. The word keep here means to guard, maintain, and protect. So it's telling us that we need to keep watch over our heart. It's this idea that we need to guard our heart. And we guard our heart by keeping God's commandments and teachings and keeping our eyes focused on him. But how? How do we combat spiritual amnesia? There are three areas that I'll talk about this morning uh, to help us combat spiritual amnesia. The first way is God's word. In order to be reminded of God's words and teachings, we need to know God's words and teachings. And in order to do that, we need to read God's word. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 tells us why this is important. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The passage is talking about the habits of a righteous man. It's saying that he delights in the word of God, that he meditates on it day and night, so that he can be like a tree that is firmly rooted, grounded, and refreshed by God's word. I want to focus on two, two words uh, in the passage. One is delight, and the other one is meditate. To delight in God's word means that when we read it, it should stir a passion in us for God. and should bring us joy. And we can measure our delight for the word of God by how much we thirst for it, how much we hunger for it. I often say the prayer that, God, please give me a thirst that is unquenchable for your word, that as I read it more and more, that you may give me even more of a thirst for it. The second word is meditate, which means that we don't just read or hear God's word and immediately forget it, but we think about it. Over and over and over and over. Tim Keller describes meditation as the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. I grew up with an agricultural background. Pastor John is the fish guy, I'm the agriculture guy. I grew up on a uh, hog farm, cattle ranch in Michigan, a buffalo ranch in Wyoming, a buffalo ranch in North Dakota. I worked with honeybees throughout my summer years as a college student. Uh, now I praise agricultural real estate. So when I read scripture, I try to relate to scriptural truths with agricultural metaphors and illustrations. So, as I was thinking about meditation, I came up with an illustration, and uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk about it. So, let's, uh, let's picture a cow. Now, when a cow eats, it takes a bite of grass, puts it into its mouth, and starts to chew it. And the saliva starts to mix in with it, and starts to get digested, and it forms a ball known as cud. After a little while, the cow will continue to chew it, and then the cow will swallow it. 
go into its first stomach. And after a time, the cow will regurgitate that same cud and start to chew it again, and process it and digest it, and he swallows it. Much in the same way, I see Christians as needing to meditate on Scripture like this. They take a passage, focus on each word, chew on it, go about their day. Holy Spirit continues to work in that passage. He brings it back up to us, the same passage, continue to chew on it and process it. I like to refer to this as chewing the cut of Scripture. I think that uh, Christians should definitely do that. I myself, I, I memorize Scripture. Um, I, uh, I take a passage in the morning, a um, couple verses, and repeat each word to myself. Then throughout the day, I bring it back up and try to repeat it to myself, and then over time I can bring it up whenever, whenever I have free time. This doesn't have to be the way that you do it. This is just something that works for me. So find what works for you and, and do it. Bless you. So the, uh, the second way, second area to help us combat spiritual amnesia is the Holy Spirit. And God sent his Holy Spirit to help remind us. In John 14, 25, and 26, Jesus says, These things, Jesus' teachings, I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So as we read God's word, the Holy Spirit will bring that stuff back up. Help us to remember it, guide us into that truth. John 16 says that he will guide us into the truth of Scripture as we read it. The final area is community. Now this is a word that uh, there's a lot of different meetings, I believe it's a show on TV. Um, but uh, within the context of the church, it is a group of believers who we, who we meet with regularly. And the community, first and foremost, needs to be centered on Jesus Christ. If your community is focused on helping each other not sin, or sin management, it is destined to fail. It has to be focused on Jesus Christ and helping each other pursue Jesus. The other thing is that it needs to fully embrace and accept the fact that each and every one of us are human, that we are broken. Our lives are filled with messiness and dysfunction. And at times, we're going to hurt each other. And we're not even going to like each other. But we need to understand that there is a commitment, that's not a word, commitment, that we are all pursuing Jesus, that we are pushing each other toward him. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 says that, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, 
leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So community can help to point our blind spots. Each of us have certain sins that enslave us or easily entrap us, uh, and oftentimes we are blind to them. So community can help to point those things out. In addition, community, in the midst of messiness and hard times, can remind us of who we are in Christ and to remind us of the goodness of God. They can be with us in the hard times, to cry and to born with us. And they can be with us in the really good times to rejoice and to celebrate with us. Some of our community is hopefully cross-generational. Uh, this is something that we talk about a lot in Discovery, which simply means that there is a mix of ages or, or life stages or spiritual maturities within the group. And this is mainly so that we can help to share our stories and share uh, what God's doing in our lives in order to build one another up, to encourage one another. My communities are, are varied. I, I meet with two younger men um, once a week. We uh, check in with one another. We pray for one another. We study God's word together. We memorize scripture. We chew the cud. Another one of my communities is, uh, is with the elders. We meet once a week to also check in with one another, pray for one another, uh, discuss the, the needs of the church, and also pray for the needs of the church. In addition, I'm in a community group, which is the primary place for discipleship at Discovery. Uh, if you're not currently in a Discovery group, um, I encourage you to check one out. Uh, out at the connection table, um, there is more information. Our community group actually meets in Woodland. We're looking to bring more people in, so if you're interested, uh, please come and talk to me after service. We'd love to talk to you and uh, hopefully get you in. So each person's community is going to look a little bit different. Just because I have these three ones doesn't mean that your community is going to look exactly like mine. It's going to be different, and that's okay. But we need to understand that even in a church, especially in the church, we are full of broken people, we're going to hurt each other. However, we also need to know that it's worth it. It's worth it when we consider that all the ways that God uses community in order to help and encourage us in our daily life. So, about a month ago, my family went through a, a challenging time. My mom has Besides uh, giving birth to five kids, uh, she had never really been to the hospital. Um, she had never broken any bones or had any other sicknesses, um, but for a couple days she experienced really intense stomach pain. And uh, so much so that my father had to take her to the emergency room in the middle of the night. And for two days our family had no idea what was happening. Uh, except that we heard the possibility that it could be a tumor. It could be cancerous. During this time, I had a, a group of people uh, in Discovery who I let know what was going on. They called me, they prayed for me, they spent time with me, they prayed for my mom. 
And they encouraged me in the midst of this. Re- they reminded me of God's faithfulness and his goodness, even in the midst of uncertainty. This is, uh, this is the picture of community. Now, thankfully, praise God that they were able to get the tumor out and that it was fully contained. Uh, so she, now she's, uh, yeah, she's doing a lot better. She's about all healed up. Uh, of course, they don't call her uh, cancer-free for five years, but, um, but she's doing a lot better. So as we strive towards bearing with one another and reminding each other, all that the Lord has done, we can build each other's faith up. And we can glorify God in the midst of that. So as we close, let us be consumed by God's word, delighting and meditating upon the truths contained within. May the Holy Spirit teach us all things as we read God's word. And may the Holy Spirit bring to our minds all that Jesus has spoken to us so that we may no longer experience spiritual amnesia, but experience peace. And may our communities be a place where we can be human and broken, but striving to live as Christ lived. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this day and for this opportunity to come together, Lord, as your as your community, God, as your as your people. And we thank you for we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit as you continually guide us into your truths. God, but we thank you most for Jesus, God. We thank you that you sent your Son to save us, to reconcile us back to you. God, and I pray for those here who who don't yet know you. God, and I pray that you may reveal yourself to them. God, I pray that, uh, that you may bring people into their lives that, that do know you and who can speak about your faithfulness, God, and speak of you, speak of how much you love them, God, and I pray that for all of us, God, that we may continually know you more, that we may continually experience a thirst for the word that is unquenchable. I pray that every time that we read your word, that we may be delighting in it. God, that we may thirst more and more for your presence. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Every week at uh, Discovery, we celebrate uh, communion. Uh, this is a tangible reminder of the fellowship that we have with Christ Jesus and of the great sacrifice that he made on our behalf. Uh, and, what, and what we do is uh, we've just got some uh, bread, uh, and that represents uh, Christ's body, which was broken for you. Uh, and also a, a bowl of juice, and we'll dip the bread in the juice, and that that represents his blood, which he shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Uh, and if you acknowledge Christ as your Savior, uh, we invite you to take part in that. Um, if that doesn't describe you, then we just ask that you sit and reflect on who Jesus is and uh, the things that Justin said and uh, maybe what 
what role he could play in your life. Uh, we're going to have people over here in the corner uh, for prayer. If you uh, have questions or you want prayer for anything, uh, then we invite you to do that. Uh, I'm going to pray for us and just invite you guys to reflect and think about uh, who Jesus is and what role he has in your life, uh, and then come forward as you feel led. Christ Jesus, uh, I am thankful, so thankful for your sacrifice for me, uh, for the great love that you have shown me, and for uh, just what you gave up um, so that I could be uh, cleansed and free. Uh, I thank you for this time that we can uh, just acknowledge your sacrifice, uh, celebrate with joy uh, the union that we have with you, the fellowship we have uh, through you to the Father. Um, yeah, I just pray over this time that uh, you would meet with us, that you would touch our hearts, uh, and that we would really understand uh, just your great love for us. We love you, Lord. Amen. Heaven 